friends, as we get ready to hear God's word today from Luke chapter 5. Um, let's pray together the words that Jesus taught all of his disciples to pray. If you turn your attention to the screen, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in Amen, indeed. We not only speak Jesus' words, these words that he taught us to pray as his disciples, um, but he speaks them to us. He prays them over us, and he is still speaking to us right here and right now today. Uh, indeed, we are one of those churches that believes that Jesus is alive and well, and that God still speaks personally and directly and to communities at large. Now, this message is certainly going to be a general sermon about Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. But possibly the Spirit of Jesus will be, bring something very specific and personal to you that you are supposed to receive as a word of the Lord. That is what Jesus did 2,000 years ago for Simon Peter when this remarkable catch of fish fell into his nets. Jesus had something specific and personal for Peter, and he made for us as well. Before the scene that we saw up on the screens today, Peter and Jesus already had the beginning of a relationship. At one point, Peter's mother-in-law had been very sick, and Jesus came to their house and healed his mother-in-law, like right on the spot. The Bible says she popped up and she must have been a hospitable woman because she started making meals for everybody, like right immediately after being healed. Um, Jesus had already been teaching and preaching around Capernaum, the, the town, the city, where Peter and Andrew and James and John ran their fishing business. And on this occasion, Gospel of Luke chapter 5, Jesus had been teaching the crowds out of Peter's boat. They had been fishing all night, didn't catch anything, probably exhausted, and at that moment, Jesus chooses to speak a surprising word and take the relationship quite a step further. Jesus asked Peter to put out and throw the nets out one more time. Here's where we pick up the story. Then Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Does that sound like an enthusiastic response to Jesus? <laughs> right? Jesus asked Peter to do something that goes against his professional experience, against his expectations, and even against his personal feelings, his opinion that this would be a good time to catch fish, and his personal level of exhaustion goes against the grain of all that. And Peter says, Master, because you say so, I will. Notice that Peter calls Jesus, Peter addresses Jesus as Master at this point. Um, we need to take that word out of our North American racial context especially um, as people in 2020, 2022, 
and recognize that when this word appears in the Bible, it's not talking um, about a oppressive slave master regime, but when the word master is used, it means teacher. Someone who I know has more wisdom, more knowledge, and more authority than me. So Peter is willing to call Jesus his master, his rabbi, his teacher at this point. And because you say so, master, I will do it. Then here's what happened. It was awesome to see it on the big screen, right? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners, James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, in the scene that we saw, which is from uh, a show called The Chosen, which is really pretty awesome, um, there is a fictionalized account in Peter's backstory that he is in big trouble with the Roman authorities and has an unpayably large tax burden that is going to be due like the very next day. So when Peter catches all these fish in the context of that TV show, it's not just fish, and they're fishermen, so great day, right? But for Peter, it's... The fish equal his livelihood. The fish equal the ability to pay off his tax burden. The fish represent the fact that he's not going to be arrested by Roman soldiers later in the day. The fish represent salvation. Now, we don't know all that from the pages of the Bible, but we do know that something amazing happened in Peter's life and something amazing changed for him in this very moment. I wondered to myself this week, when I think of this scene, my default setting is to think like, wow, what an amazing miracle displaying the power of God and Jesus' power as the Son of God over even the fish of the sea and nature. And then I had a little nagging voice in my head that was like, is this more about the power of God or is this more about the goodness of God? Because I'm convinced Whenever Jesus speaks, whenever Jesus does something in the world, even to this day, uh, it is a guarantee that Jesus is bringing about goodness into the world. Not just a short-term goodness, but a long-term goodness. And Peter's reaction um, is to fall on his face. And I don't think it seems like he's overwhelmed by Jesus' power. Like, don't... Don't do something to me, Jesus, like you're so strong and mighty. It's that Peter recognizes that compared to Jesus' goodness and righteousness, that he's a sinful man. This is what Peter says. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's business partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Notice that there's a change in Peter's way of referring to Jesus. Where first he calls Jesus master, teacher, rabbi, I'm willing to listen to you. Now he calls Jesus his Lord. And in the Bible, what is a Lord? A Lord is someone who has absolute sway over your life. What your Lord says, that is what you do. What your Lord asks of you, that is what you do. 
And hopefully you have the good fortune of serving a good Lord because they have absolute sway over your life. And Peter, in this moment, it's as if something shifts seeing this remarkable catch of fish. Something clicks in Peter's spirit that he now recognizes whatever this man says to me from here on out, this is what I will be doing from now on. Reality dawns on Peter. What wasn't working for him suddenly is working. I mean, have you ever prayed for success and been so overwhelmed by the success that came that you didn't know what to do? I mean, it sounds like not a bad situation, right? To pray for success and then be overwhelmed by success. Not just talking about economic success here, although probably that has happened to some of us in this room that we started a business or we started a new job and suddenly like our level of achievement like blew our minds and we recognize like, I might not deserve this. Like what this tsunami that is coming my way. Quite possibly, and I've had this experience, you pray to lead something or be responsible for something or you start a family and suddenly a few years later you have so many kids that you're like, what do I do with my life? Or your responsibilities grow that you recognize like, I can't handle this anymore. I wanted, like, I wanted God to use me or lead in some direction and suddenly this is totally beyond my control and unless God does something merciful to me, this prayer that seemingly has been answered, I'm going to perish beneath the weight of it. Maybe something like that was happening to Peter. Like literally their boats were so full of success that they began sinking. So if Peter in desperation was just like, God help me, give me a catch of fish. Jesus answers this prayer and suddenly it occurs to Peter, I should have prayed for less. Right? The boats are going down with all the success. Jesus speaks to him in this moment, whether he is overwhelmed by the success, whether like the chosen show, whether he is overwhelmed by being saved from the hand of the Romans that was about to come down in him, whether he is overwhelmed at the goodness of Jesus, Peter gets into this posture on his knees on the ground before the Lord and says, depart from me, I'm not worthy to hang out with you Jesus, I, I can't even comprehend what is going on here. Have you ever been in that posture with the Lord where his overwhelming goodness or nearness or love to you has made you recognize this is unsustainable, like God is so good and I know me and this is not going to work out. Like Jesus' love is so blindingly bright. His grace is so pure and strong that my life is not sturdy enough to endure it. I hope you've had an experience like that. The, the Bible, the gospel, starts with having an experience like that. And Jesus speaks into that moment, into that intense, overwhelmed experience, and tells Peter, Don't be afraid. It's not going to overwhelm you. I am good. Jesus will readily acknowledge. I am righteous, but I am not going to undo you or destroy you with my goodness. And then Jesus makes this remarkable comment. You know, follow me. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. It's not a question, from now on you're going to fish for people. 
It's not a command in the Bible. From now on, you have to fish for people. It's neither of those. It's a simple statement. Like Jesus recognizes what is, and again, he brings goodness into the world by telling Peter what's in front of him. We are going to be together. You're going to follow me. We're going to walk side by side. You're going to learn from me. And even though you're a professional fisherman, we're going to fish for people together. Peter is known by name by Jesus. He is called by name. He is lifted off the ground by name. There is a long track record in the Bible. The psalm that our young people read, the Lord calls to us by name. The passage that Pastor Jeff read at the beginning from Isaiah chapter 6, the great holiness of God is filling the temple, and Isaiah is recognized and called by name. I mean, this happened in in flesh and blood with Jesus of Nazareth and Simon Peter of Capernaum 2,000 years ago. How will Peter respond? Luke 5, verse 11 says this. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter wakes up to this deeper reality of his life. It's going to be more than boats and business and fish from here on out. It's going to be walking with Jesus, responding to the call of Jesus, responding to the irresistible voice of Jesus. Jesus did not stop inviting kids, women, men from every corner of the globe now for 2,000 years into a similar kind of relationship. I mean, for all of us, it doesn't necessarily mean putting our old business behind, if business means our profession. For sure, it means putting our old business, metaphorically, behind us so that we can stand up, rise up, and walk with the Lord in a new way. Did Jesus call Peter because he was an extraordinary human being, head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel, the greatest fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, a man of sturdy character and remarkable giftedness. Is that why Jesus called Peter? (laughs) I totally don't think so. And here's the proof. Jesus also called Peter's brother and their two business partners. Like, what are the odds that those four guys in the same small business were just like the most awesome people in the entire world? What's amazing is I think that proves that Jesus is willing to welcome everybody, one and all, and nothing would give God greater pleasure and joy than letting his goodness be more manifest in your life. So can you imagine, can you imagine the Messiah, the Master, the Lord inviting you, maybe inviting you again. Does that seem like a bright and shining goodness? Rachel, I really want you like to come and walk along with me, Jesus says. Rich, I'm here. You're going to have to leave some business behind, but I want to walk with you. 
It's hard for me to see the people in Bastion. I want you. It's only my little sinful voice saying these words, but in some way or another, please, if you open up your spirit, if you open up your ears, I am so confident that Jesus will be standing by your boats. Jesus will be standing on the shore of your life and will be wooing you somehow to walk in with him. It's not that Peter is special. It's not that you are so special. For sure, it's not that I am so special. It's just that Jesus loves human beings who are made in his father's image so much that he wants all of us in his company alongside with him. Jesus is calling. And if you haven't heard it, if you can't hear it yet, I'm glad you're here, but we need to arrange our lives so that we hear a regular invitation of Jesus' beautiful voice. There was another character in the New Testament, a man named Paul. For him to hear Jesus calling, he literally needed to get kicked off his horse to fall on the ground and hear the voice of the Lord in a blinding light from heaven. Like that's what it took from God to break through to this guy. Paul ended up writing these words about God's way of working. This is from 1 Corinthians 15. Really probably the best passage in all the scripture about rising up again, Jesus' resurrection and our rising with him. Paul says, this guy who got kicked off his horse, for I received what I passed on to you as of first importance. So Paul who preached and spoke and wrote so many words, he's giving us some insight here. Here is what is most important. Number one, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ Jesus came in flesh and blood to be one of us, to be alongside of us, to experience our life in the flesh. Number two, that he was buried. Jesus not only came to walk in a body like ours, but he died a death, a physical death. The same kind that we are going to die. Number three, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And just like Jesus raised Peter off that sandy beach when he felt absolutely overwhelmed, Jesus was raised by the power of God on Easter Sunday morning. And for everyone whom Jesus calls since then, Jesus literally not only invites but lifts us up out of our overwhelmed and inferiority and anxiety and fear and plants in us a seed of a new and resurrection life. Has anybody in the room experienced a whisper of this? A hint of this? A ray of light of this? If you've not experienced this and you see somebody in your row nodding, like the greatest thing you could do is to ask that person right when this worship service is over, like, what does that mean? How do I get some more of that? And then fourth and finally, not only does Jesus raise us, but he empowers us to become witnesses of being lifted up and resurrected because he appeared to Cephas, also known as this fisherman Peter. And then 
to the 12, and then to 500. And then the church grew to millions within only a 100 years while the Roman Empire was oppressing these early Christians. How did this possibly happen if Jesus of Nazareth is not only a master, but is truly the Lord of heaven and earth? Impossible. Impossible. When we assemble on Sunday morning, friends, it is not just nice songs that we're singing. It is not cozy passages of scripture, although I hope music and scripture and prayer bring you great comfort and rootedness. Awesome. But we come to be plugged back in to the power that created the entire known universe. We come to be refreshed with the power that raised Jesus of Nazareth from a dead person's tomb. We come to be reconnected to the power that has lifted up and raised generation after generation after generation of those who would say, yes, Jesus, I will follow. Do you want to be in that company? I want to be in that company. I fail a lot. I keep sinning. And Jesus keeps coming back, telling me not to be afraid, putting some fresh breath back in me and saying, walk with me and follow me. Friends, it's to the table of our Lord, our risen and resurrected Lord, that we are now invited. I would um, suggest that a way to approach the simple gifts of bread and wine today are as an invitation or Jesus saying again, I want you to walk with me. Don't be afraid. I want you to follow me. I want you so much that I will give my life up to make this happen. I want you with me so much, I will go to a cross. I want you with me long term, forever, so badly that I will go into the grave hoping that God's power will do something while I am dead. And that you'll interpret this meal as the risen Lord saying to you, because I have risen, you can walk with me in risen life as well. If you would turn your attention to the screens, let's prepare with these words that the church has been saying together for thousands of years now, the Lord be with you, brothers and sisters. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. On the night that he was betrayed, in an upper room, our Lord took bread. And in the presence of his disciples, he gave thanks to God the Father and broke it. Saying, this bread is now my body which is given for you. As often as you eat it, do this and remember me. And when they had finished eating, Jesus took the cup, poured it out in their presence and said, this cup is now a new covenant, a new promise from God given to you in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. In obedience to Jesus' command, we are going to eat and drink 
and remember, yes, indeed, and remember that the power that raised him from the dead is alive and well and at work in all who would follow him. Uh, if you got one of these today, I invite you to turn it breadside up and open the bread part. If you have it upside down, trouble ensues. And together, honoring our Lord, opening ourselves to him, let us take and eat and remember and believe that the body of Jesus went to the cross to give us goodness and life and wholeness. And if you'll turn the small chalice over and open the cup side. Again, together, as brothers and sisters and followers of Christ, let us take and drink and remember and believe that the sinless, powerful blood of Christ was shed on the cross to completely remove all of our sins. Will you bow and pray with me? Lord, like Simon Peter all those years ago on the seashore, we bow in your good and powerful and awesome presence. We are not worthy of your sacrifice or worthy of your love, and yet you faithfully keep giving and calling and inviting and wooing people like us. Lord, if we... At 10,000 miles, it wouldn't be enough to say thank you loud enough or high enough. Our debt of gratitude will go on forever and ever in your presence. For now, Lord, we simply want to, like Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John, say we will follow. Give us the strength to follow. In your name we pray, our Lord, and everybody said, amen. We're going to sing a final song together about following the Lord Jesus. Um, please stand and lift up your heart and voice.